Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Deadhead Cannabis Show. This is Jim Marty, now back in Longmont, Colorado, and I've got my partner up in Chicago area, Chicagoland, Larry Mishkin. How you doing, Larry? Jim, I'm doing just fine, thank you. How are you? Glad to have you home and uh, back. You looks like you have a little bit of color for those of us that can see your face at the moment, so uh, it's nice to be able to get away uh, and have some time in the sun, so I'm glad you had a chance to do that. At any rate, uh, Chicago is what it is. We're rolling right along here. Um, we have a busy show today. We have a great guest. We've got some interesting topics to talk about. So let's get right to it. And I think that the best place for us to start is by introducing our guest, because I suspect that we'll have uh, a lot to talk about with him today. On our show today, Jim, we have Mike McDonald. He's the CEO and founder of a company called Ammonite. I hope I pronounced that correctly, which is the yeah. parent company of Dablicator oil applicator, um, which is new hardware designed for the super simple, no mess, precisely dosed application of cannabis concentrate oil. Mike, welcome to the show. Uh, we all want to hear about the Dablicator oil applicator, uh, but give us 30 seconds of background on yourself. Tell us who you are, how you got to where you are today, and uh, then let's hear about what you're doing. Great. Hey, thanks for having me on the show, guys, and really, uh, impressed with what you've done over the last hundred plus shows. So uh, honored to be here. Yeah, my, my, I'm, I'm uh, Mike McDonald, as I mentioned, and I am um, started a company with some colleagues called Ammonite, and we're focused on innovative hardware for the cannabis and CBD industry. When I say hardware, you know, think about glassware, um, uh, uh, dab devices, and so forth. And we make a product that helps uh, deliver oil in a precise way to dab devices, sublingually directly for patients. You know, you can, you can um, spark up, spark it on a joint or put it on flour. Um, and my background is I got into the cannabis industry, like a lot of folks through some various, various ways. My background is in marketing and product development, a lot of time in the sporting goods and outdoor industry um, and found my way to cannabis. And our parent company is actually one of the largest oil and extracts company in California called Jetty Extracts. So we're not just a hardware manufacturer. We actually spun out of a traditional OG um, extracts company in California called Jetty and then recently spun out the hardware division to have it as a sort of a standalone business. Well, tell us, Mike, more about Jetty. Um, do they cultivate? Do they have retail? Or are they simply a manufacturer of uh, uh, extracted products? Um, Jetty is primarily a, um, a processor, so an extractor and a brand. It's one of the top brands in California. Um, unlike other states, you don't have to be fully vertical in California. You can be one. You can be a cultivator. You can be an ex You can be a processor. You can be a brand, or you can be a retailer. You can be all of them. So Jetty primarily is in the extract business and the brand business. We have a couple brands that we sell throughout the state of California. We also now are cultivating, um, so we so we're able to cultivate, uh, kind of control our supply, and actually focus on very specific genetics. If you know, in, in the industry, if you can control your genetics, um, that's sort of a big plus out there these days, at least in California, in such a developed market. So Jetty is a primarily a manufacturer brand and a brand uh, uh, in the space. So if you're primarily a brand, then uh, how do you control your genetics? Well, um, uh, normally we work with very close, we have very close relationships with growers and cultivators. Uh, Nate Ferguson is, was one of the co-founders uh, of Jetty back in 2013, um, has been growing cannabis, had his own dispensary. So 
No, it's really it's really about having relationships primarily up in the Emerald Triangle in Northern California. Um, being a good business partner in cannabis is incredibly important, and there's not just lip service to that. If you can appreciate before it was legal, um, there was nobody you were going to sue if you didn't get paid. Um, there was nobody you were going to sue if you got you know got bunk material after giving them cash. So it, they 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 joke they call it the hippie handshake. So the hippie handshake is was a big part of the pre-legalization side of cannabis. And Nate and the team that started Jetty, being in the business for a long time, have a great reputation, and we've continued to try and uh, honor that. Uh, but now with our own farm, we're able to really cultivate in and dial in specific genetics, um, and not just our not not our proprietary genetics, but you know, when we want Girl Scout cookie, we want it. We don't want to have to check and see if it's on the spot market. When we want OG Kush, we kind of want to be able to introduce that on some sort of a rhythm rather than just see who's got what. Um, so, uh, and, and also in the California market, the spot price for cannabis has been spiking. Um, so it also is from a business perspective, it really helps us keep control of our costs and our supply chain. Interesting. Let me ask you this, Mike. Uh, how did uh, Dablicator Oil Applicator come to be? You say that's a spinoff of Jetty. Tell us about how that happened. Um, yeah, it's a great question. I mean, Jetty was this innovative company started in 2013, which is, you know, decades of the cannabis industry <laughs> yes. um, for a real legitimate business, right? Um, and they focused on extracts, saw this vape pen back in 2012, 2013, and said this is going to be a game changer learn how to do extracts. Um, and then, you know, fast forward, one of the, you know, is growing, uh, vape was just picking up steam. This is, you know, several years ago. And we had a cancer patient, a friend that had cancer, brain cancer, and um, he couldn't smoke and he needed something to, to um, deal, with the, uh, deal with the nausea and also appetite issues with chemotherapy. So um, some of the founders are good buddies with this guy, brought cannabis oil in in a jar and he started he started eating it or you know putting it under his tongue and it worked incredibly well but it was really messy so um and then the other alternative was these syringes which looked like they were right out of a you know a, a, a medical setting um, so the team said there's got to be a better way to get people oil and to deliver it and 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 they invented dablicator and it had a few uh, renditions and it's patented now um, there's some new product, there's some new development coming down the road, but essentially, instead of just a, a plunge syringe, this is a product that you twist and plunge, you can back it off, it doesn't leak, um, it gives precise doses, you can throw it in your pocket. So we're able to deliver uh, over a milliliter or a gram of pure cannabis oil in a compact little pen-sized device that people can use on the go, but it really did come out of the uh, the focus for a particular cancer patient, friend of ours. Um, it also found its way in being very popular in a nonprofit that Jetty helped set up called the Shelter Project, which has given away over a million dollars worth of free cannabis to cancer patients over the last five years. And and Dablicator is a very popular piece of that because if you've got cancer, if you've got illnesses, you don't want to smoke, right? A lot of times you don't want to smoke, you don't want to inhale. So you're looking, you don't want to eat gummies because of the sugar so you're looking for a direct way to get oil into your system um and dablicator seems to have been uh you know developed into the the uh the cool thing to do it with well i certainly see the need for that product because you can really fumble around with various oils and concentrates and 
trying to get them into a pipe while they're sticking to your fingers. So um, I hope that when we air this show that we can get a picture of the Dabblicator up on the uh, Deadhead Cannabis Show website. Sure. I'm happy to get that to you. Dabblicator.com is a pretty good uh, resource as well. But I'm, you let me know after the show what I can get you. I'm happy to get you some samples if that would be uh, of interest. Let me ask you this, because you you were kind enough to answer this question for me pre-show, and this ties into what Jim was just saying about getting it all over your fingers. Uh, if I'm understanding correctly, the Dablicator oil applicator already comes with its own oil supply, so you don't have to figure out a way to scrape the oil out of the little glass containers they give you in the dispensary and transfer it into the product. Yeah, I mean, you know, before I get into what the Dablicator does, I mean, listen, um, it's a ritual. Folks that dab, I mean, you know, the dental pick in the jar and the blowtorch in the hole or, or directly on a nail. I mean, it's amazing. People, um, you know, people that are really hardcore, it's just a whole ritual. And, you know, they, they, they may not um, want to use an oil applicator in all situations. But, um, yeah, Dablicator itself, my business sells the empty product um, as a fully branded turnkey business to, let's say, you know, Jim's Oil in mm. Chicago. Like, you've got your own brand. Um, my team works with you. Um, we take your logo, put it on the hardware packaging, and then you take your specialty product and put it inside the oil, uh, put it inside the applicator, and then you sell it to customers. Got it. So as, as a consumer, you can't buy an empty applicator. But what you can do is you can go into your Rise cannabis store in, in Chicago, and you can pick up a applicator oil applicator with XYZ brands live resin in it. Um, or, you know, ABC brands, RSO. And then as far as it, you know, sticking to your fingers and so forth. Yeah. If you're, if you're looking for something a little bit more on the go or, um, you know, a little less ritual, like the applicator has got a uh, heat resistant tip so you can dab right onto your nail uh, or onto your bowl with it. Uh, but you can also use it to, um, we say add flower, add power to your flower. So you can imagine a, a bowl or a joint that you want to put a little extra um, power into, uh, be it CBD, be it be it live resin. Um, and you could also use it sublingually. You can use it to make your own food. You know, you can use you know your own medicated beverages and food. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty amazing what people are, you know, writing in and tell, telling us they're using it for. What's the retail price for a uh, dablicator? Uh, full of oil, it depends on the market. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in Florida, Sotera, which is a big chain down there, sells sells a uh, their pure oil, uh, one gram of pure oil for seventy five dollars retail. In California, which is a much more competitive market because it's so well developed, uh, Jetty sells their live resin oil for about fifty five dollars. So, you know, it, it doesn't. It it's really comes down to the cost in the in the market for the oil. So, you know, if a gram of really good oil is in the fifty dollar range. Um, you're going to pay $50 to $60 for a dablicator full of that product. So the dablicator itself is basically disposable. Once you're done with the oil, you throw it away and then you buy a new one. That's currently the, um, the model and we're working on some alternatives to that, but yes. Okay. And, and it's, and it's recyclable and so forth, but sure. yeah, it's sort of like, um, it's not that different to a, um, you know, a, a, a disposable vape pen, right. except there's no nasty battery attached to it. Okay. Sure. So it's purely a mechanical device. There's no power. That's right. And one more time, the website where people can look at it and buy it. 
Dablicator.com. D-A-B-L-I-C-A-T-O-R.com. Dablicator. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Let me ask you this. Another question about it really quick, Mike. What states uh, do you know that uh, where, where you guys are currently selling Dablicators? In other words, of our listeners, in which states can they be looking for this product? Uh, great question. As I mentioned earlier, California was the main place for years. So we've got several brand partners in California, Jetty, Oakland Extracts, 710 Labs. Uh, you'll soon be able to find it on, on in 710 Labs in Colorado, the 710 Labs brand. Um, Evala in Arizona is a partner. So in Arizona, you know, if you go to a place that sells Evala brand, you'll be able to, um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a lava, a lava brand. Um, Ancient Roots in Ohio, Sotera in um, in uh, Florida, and Netta in Massachusetts are sort of the main air, main states right now. But coming soon, guys. Um, you know, we just launched this as a platform uh, in late 2020. So our goal is to be in most states with uh, a lot of the major brands and retailers uh, over the next 12 to 18 months. Well, I can say we'd love to see you in Illinois. Uh, yeah, it's a great market. Uh, some great operators there too, so we're we're excited to be there. Are you working with anyone in Colorado? Well, Seven Ten Labs, okay. um, which uh, they're probably you know one of the most OG, highly respected brands out there. Uh, we don't have exclusives, so you know as the as the partnerships begin to roll in, but we are looking to really just pick up premium, you know, high end brands and retailers. I gotcha. Very good. All right. Um, well, that's a, been a fascinating story. Um, Larry, anything else before we move on to some music? No, other than just, you know, to put my own little spin on it, which is, you know, uh, I love the multiple uses of it. And as you're sitting here talking, I, you know, it hadn't even, I'm, I know I'm beginning to visualize it a lot better, but, you know, I'm, I'm a traditionalist. So for me, it's always been about flower. It'll always be about flower. And I know all this other stuff is out there and that's all great, but just like people are particular with their dabs and, and rituals. That's, that's me and my flower. I, it's, that's where I like to go. However, I have certainly discovered the benefits of adding a little bit of extract or oil to your flower. Um, and one of the biggest problems is trying to uh, pack a bowl and then figure out a way to get just a little bit of oil on there. Right. Either making a huge mess or all the, the, the flour comes up out of the bowl. And if you're, right. you know, if you're, if you're anywhere other than sitting at a stationary table with plenty of room to do it, it can be a real disaster. And, you know, the idea of just being able to drop a quick drop on there and move on sounds to me like a, a, a great idea. I think that's got a tremendous potential. Well, that's, yeah, that's, you know, it's and even CBD, right? I mean, you throw a little uh, CBD, CBD on a on a nice bowl or a or a nice, you know, beautifully rolled joint, or put it in the paper, you know, put it in the comb before you roll it up. So even um, better. Okay. Well, we'll have to make sure we get you connected to get some product to test um, out there when we're when we're ready in Chicago and, sure. and uh, in Colorado. So or you're no, in Wyoming, no. right? No, no, Jim's in Colorado. Oh, Jim. Okay. Yes. Yeah. He looks like he's from Wyoming, but he's really from Colorado. <laughs> he's got that Western rugged look to him. So I, I do love my cowboy shirts. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and um, before we move on to music, Mike, let me ask you this. Uh, 
what is your, you know, I, I know you, you were telling us ahead of time, you spend a lot of time, you know, really getting to know the markets. Where, in your opinion, uh, you know, where are things at these days overall in the industry? Let's say, you know, in California, do you see things going in a positive direction for the industry out there? You know, we, we hear about problems with sales due to high taxes and proliferation of black market sales. You know, where yep. do you see things going over the next couple of years in California? Um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I, the, the statistic I give for context is 35 million people in California, um, only 650 dispensaries, and 2,000 2000 black market dispensaries that are estimating LA alone, and 40,000 liquor stores, right? So, so consider that the market is tremendously underserved, um, which makes it incredibly difficult and competitive for brands that are trying to build a business because the retailers have so much um, of a stranglehold on the on the market um, but there you know there's some good there, you know and, and there aren't a lot of uh, there aren't a lot of um, barriers to get into the business in California that's that's changing as high taxes to your point and cost of regulations are pushing out the small guys which is really unfortunate um, so, I mean, I think long-term California is a great market, but it does have its challenges because, A, it's very competitive for, for brands, and the taxes are really um, punitive, which is unfortunate. Um, and then the black market is, you know, the black and the gray market is, you know, certainly a big, a big issue in California. Um, but it's also the biggest cannabis market on the planet. So um, it's why Jetty has really sort of, um, um, you know, dug in and said, we're not going to go nationally. Let's just compete really well in California, maybe Colorado, maybe Nevada, but let's stay focused. Let's not get distracted by going into 50 different states or 30 different states. And then, um, so I think, I think, I think long-term California is, is going to, and I think the, I think the best brands will come out of California just because of the, you know, the ethos of California cannabis, you know, not unlike Napa Valley wine, so I think you're going to see a sure. lot of great brands that that nicely transition to other markets like Illinois, Colorado, and so forth. I would say the only other real comparable market, which is, um, you know, is, is equally exciting and also has challenges, is Jim's market in Colorado. Um, it's sure. actually it was a bit ahead of the curve from California on the on the adult legalization side. So what we're seeing is Colorado and California trends begin to find themselves across the country. Um, you know, uh, uh, when vape was huge in Colorado and California, it just started creeping up and exploding in the other markets. You know, we're seeing concentrates do that now. Dabbing, concentrates, um, you know, uh, live resin is the big, big rage in California right now. Um, solventless, you know, no, no solvents at all. So I think you're going to see trends from California and then hopefully the California market in general eventually kind of gets its act together um, uh, as well. And Mike, where in California are you? Uh, we're in the Bay Area, Oakland. Okay. And so we're, 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 through, we're throughout, I'm sorry, we, but we have distribution and a few offices throughout the state, but our, our lab and headquarters are in Oakland. And one of the things you said that really caught my ear is you said there's actually underground dispensaries that have storefronts in LA? Oh boy. Yeah. Um, uh, we call them traps and um, they've been around since the medical, you know, uh, medical, medical cannabis at retail has been available um, legally 
since the early 90s. And these traps, as they call it, are just sort of like storefronts, maybe head shops. And they you could go in in L.A. and there's one on every corner. Um, as the adult use, uh, you know, 2018, when adult use or, or um, what we call recreational cannabis became legal, those traps, in theory, had to shut themselves down or go towards getting licensed. And because it's no longer a really big crime in California to sell sell cannabis, um, they, they, you know, and there's not a lot of um, uh, available resources to crack down on these these black or gray market shops. They proliferate specifically in L.A. And when they do get shut down, they pop up across town. So, um, you know, it, it's it's a it's a big challenge in the industry when you're paying millions of dollars in taxes and and all the costs associated with being legal and regulated. Um, and so you need to sell a, you know, a, a, an eighth of really good indoor for $60, $75. And by the way, it's tested, lab tested, no pesticides, blah, blah, blah. And your customers can go down the block and buy that same, in theory, that same eighth for $30. It could be full of carcinogens. It could be full of pesticides because it wasn't tested. So it's a challenge, but you know, people in this industry are, are all hustlers. You know, for the most part, us operators are hustlers. We figure out a way to make it happen, to grind it out. Um, and uh, yeah, but it's it's pretty insane, right? Like all those illegal shops that are really just um, creating unfair competition in the market. Well, thank you for your interview. Um, if you can stick around at the Toward sure. the end of the show, we like to talk a little bit of music. There have not been any live shows. I don't really even know if if uh, the the plays on Broadway will open in 2021. So uh, I don't think they are. I've heard those are going to be postponed for a while too. Uh, now, um, I did uh, see an article the other day, Jim, and I was mentioning to you uh, where uh, Dr. Fauci, who uh, certainly has an opinion on everything related to COVID, uh, whether you agree with him or not, you know, everybody's got their own opinions on that. However, he, he did come out and say uh, that if everything goes right, and that's, I suppose, a very big if, uh, that he sees where big concerts could probably return sometime by the fall of this year. Um, I assume that also means that we have a good vaccine rollout, everybody gets their shots, and we learn that the vaccine is, in fact, effective and all of that other kind of stuff. But if, if that happens, that would be wonderful if, if by sometime in the fall uh, we could find our way back into uh, congregating again for, for live music. That would really be uh, that would really be quite a high point in the recovery. Yes, let's hope that happens. You know, I wonder if not just in the concert scene, but sports, if the fans um, and concert goers will come back. It's interesting to see all this resistance to the vaccine at this point, where you have a lot of people saying, I'm not going to take that vaccine. Well, they're also going to say, well, I'm not going to go to a concert or I'm not going to get on an airplane. I suspect there always will be, be, be people now who say that and to which I say I completely respect their their rights and good because that's one less person I have to compete with for tickets. <laughs> you know, 
to a show to the concert. But I, sure, I think that this, you know, there are going to be some people who will be changed forever by this and will never feel comfortable again, you know, venturing out into large crowds, where, you know, where the, that are unprotected, let's say. But I think that there's a lot of people who will certainly welcome the opportunity and, uh, and, and be ready to go. And I mean, we look, all you have to do is pick up the newspaper every day. There's large crowds gathering for one reason or another all over the place, always seemingly without masks on. Uh, and once the, the risk of the virus is gone, um, I think music is going to be a place where we're going to see people flocking very quickly. Well, um, Mike McDonald, Mike McDonald, um, do you by chance have a, a music or a concert story you'd like to share with us? Uh, wow. That's a great question. I, you know, I, I kind of reached into my archives around my kind of some of my favorite dead stories. I think I mentioned before we got on live, um, my wife, uh, has over 50 shows under her belt and you never know it. She's this, um, you know, beautiful, petite, little professional dentist. And, um, when I met her and she went to UCLA and I was like, what are you talking about? You got 50 shows under your belt. She's like, yeah. Um, so, you know, she's the real, (laughs) so she's the real dead fan in the family. But, um, you know, I've been I've, I've been to uh, three or four shows myself, you know, mostly back in the early 90s. Um, and probably one of my favorite stories was uh, 91 or 92 in Las Vegas. It just, you know, hot. God, it must have been 110 degrees. And yes, it was. everybody was, you know, I, for whatever reason, we had water. We brought a couple of, um, you know, I was with three or four buddies and we each brought like two gallons of water. And boy, were we popular. I mean, we were we were trading water for whatever people had to trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just an incredible experience. Uh, turns out, I'm pretty sure my wife was there. I hadn't met her yet. Um, <laughs> she was there at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, we listened to a lot of Dead around the house. I'm, I'm often just putting on like a Pandora Dead, uh, dead station. Um, but I'm a big fan of music. You know, I, um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with G-Love, G-Love and Special Sauce. He's sure, an incredible sure. oh, yeah. musician out of Philadelphia that yep. uh, I'm originally from Philly, um, oh, you know, really okay. sort of uh, follow closely, have a bit of a personal relationship with him. Um, yeah, man, love music, love all kinds of music, um, you know, from G-Love to Beck to the Grateful Dead to Red Hot Chili Peppers, even okay. to old school, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a kid of the seventies. Um, so a lot of that old school rock and roll is, is still near and dear to me as well. Sure. Right. right. Well, going back to um, <clears throat> the silver bowl in Las Vegas, uh, Larry and I were at those shows, even though we didn't know each other at the time. Correct. And speaking of hot, what I remember is there was on the top of a pole, a digital thermometer and it was right above Jerry and it said 104 degrees at midnight. It could have, yeah. It was, it was just brutal out there. Yeah, it was, but it was, you know, you can imagine. If, uh, and and if uh, you bumped into us with gallons of water, it would have been a lot of fun. <laughs> right, you have enough water to pour it over your head, boy. Then you know you're in good shape. <laughs> That's not that that was that was a that was a valuable commodity out there, and those were a lot of fun. And I always enjoyed the scene afterwards when you had you know seventy five thousand, you know, ripped deadheads descend on the strip all of a sudden. And, yeah, you know, exactly. as if things there weren't crazy enough, you know, here come these totally wired deadheads, all of us, and you're ready to <laughs> exactly. hang out and party. And my guess is every dealer was looking at their chops saying, come on in, boys, and sit down. <laughs> exactly. Let's go. You think Jerry's going to show you a good hand? Come on. My name's Jerry. I'll show you how to play. <laughs> yep, that was always a lot of fun, too. But I, I was introduced to G-Love at uh, Jazz Fest a few years ago. 
and uh, just couldn't get enough of it. It's tremendous music, and uh, and now a big fan. He's up. He's up. Uh, he's up for a Grammy. Uh, his really? first ever. His new album is just really incredible. It's called The Juice, and Keb Mo produced it, and, sure. and he's just one of the greatest guys out there. And you know, he introduced um, Jack Johnson to the world. So he's just really generous. Um, uh, a legitimate musician, and he's finally up for something huge. So cross your fingers, send the love. But he's up sure. for um, best innovative blues album, um, uh, and I'm you know really hoping he wins it because he deserves it. Okay, well we'll give him positive energy and see if we can't push that right along. That's very cool too. But yeah, no, dead shows are always a great place to go with a potential spouse, especially you know, it's like that scene in. Uh, in the movie diner where the guy made the girl answer all the questions about the Baltimore Colts, you know, uh, before he would agree to marry her. And although I wouldn't necessarily go that far, I think it certainly helps to know that your spouse uh, at a minimum, at least enjoys going, even if they're not perhaps quite as large a fan as yours. I was very lucky because my wife was a big deadhead too. And so we went to shows for years and years until uh, young kids got in the way. And then I went to a lot more shows than she did after that, but I always, you know, she was a good sport about it. So I credit her. But uh, it, it always makes things easier than my buddies who are like, my wife can't understand what I'm doing, always running off to all these dead <laughs> shows. I'm like, that's a tough one to explain. Well, fingers crossed we're going to have live shows again. It's, it's been a big missing, I think, for all of us. Maybe next January we can go down to Playa de Carmen and see Dead & Company with our feet in the sand. Absolutely. Playing in the sand. That would be quite an adventure, uh, uh, you know, but I, I would still settle for the sticky floor of any indoor, you know, uh, arena where you can go. And I'd be just as happy with that right about now. Um, and uh, yeah. yeah, I think we're getting there. I think we're getting there. And that's the good news. Let's hope so. All right. Anything else for today, guys? Oh, boy. Well, you know, Jim, the problem with our show is I always sit down and I've got a list of about six things to talk about. And we talked about one of them. So that just gives us more fun things to talk about next time. But um, things that are out there that our listeners should keep in mind just to run through really quick. Number one, and uh, Mike, maybe you've heard about this. California is proposing a new law right now, uh, and it's going to provide a trade off. It's going to approve all uses of CBD infused products, including food products. But the trade off is going to be it's going to outlaw smokable hemp. And this is something that's uh, that's being kicked around out there right now. And, you know, it, 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 it just goes to show how interesting, uh, you know, where people are. All of a sudden you have uh, marijuana growers and law enforcement on the same side, right? Because for law enforcement, they hate the idea of finding something that looks just like marijuana. But actually the person says this isn't marijuana and they don't like to be put in that position. Meanwhile, you got the marijuana growers saying, hey, this isn't fair. We're all growing cannabis. We're covered with all these restrictions and they're not. I suppose to which I say, well, one's a legal product and the other one isn't. But nevertheless, I, you know, I, I certainly understand. But uh, the loss of smokable hemp seems a pretty big price to pay. Well, I, I think it speaks to something a little bit bigger, right? I mean, the the ridiculousness of cannabis being federally illegal to begin with. Yes. You know, having it on the same drug schedule as heroin and cocaine. Right. Um, you know, and, and knowing the story as you guys do, that it's really just a a big pharma, big tobacco, big alcohol lobby group that pushed it back in the 50s and 60s. A lot of racism connected to it with, you know, suggesting African-Americans in the 60s were the ones that smoked weed and thus it was bad. Mm -hmm. um, so, yep. you know, if we can get our act together, maybe with this new administration, there's a lot of optimism to, at a minimum, get it off the Schedule 1. Um, you know, because, like, if, if, you, if you have a states act where the states manage things, and you can get cannabis 
you know, essentially legal in all states and then eventually move towards federal legalization. Sure. Give us banking. I mean, we can't even bank legally in California. You know, it, well, it's insane. I'll tell you what's um, interesting about that is because the other topic on my list today was how the federal marijuana, mar- federal marijuana reform outlook is much brighter now with Democrats in control. That's right. And, and Jim and I talk about this a lot on the show, and I don't think that that's so much a factor that Democrats are more likely to vote for it. I think Republicans vote in favor of marijuana provisions all over the place. I think it was a matter of control of the bills coming out onto the floor, and I think that when McConnell was the president, he was less inclined, president of the Senate, he was less inclined to yeah. bring forward bills that had been sponsored by Democrats, you know, in the House. And, and you know, look, that's his political uh, situation. But, uh, you know, uh, I suppose from that perspective, thanks to the voters in Georgia, you know, we'll now see if Chuck Schumer is more likely to move some of these bills along, including the Safe Banking Act, which the House passed by an overwhelming majority. Uh, right. And we're just waiting for the Senate to get a stab at it, which would, in fact, address the banking issue. That's very positive. And, and going hand in hand with that is it looks like Joe Biden has indicated that Merrick Garland is going to be his attorney general. And although, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I would say that Merrick Garland is a, you know, is a free smoking deadhead spirit. Uh, I also believe that he is uh, going to be much more favorable to the industry uh, than either uh, um, uh, Jeff, Se- Jeff Sessions or Bill Barr ever was. Uh, and, and, you know, even though Sessions and Barr never did anything affirmatively uh, to move against the industry, uh, I do believe that their mere presence in many instances served as a roadblock for people who were nervous about what might happen down the road. Uh, and hopefully with a guy like Merrick Garland heading up the AG's office, uh, some of those uh, concerns will be eased up a bit. And, and you know, we'll see an, an even greater growth of investment in the industry and, and see where things can really go. And <clears throat> Mike, um, do you have any concerns, though, at Descheduling federal legalization of big tobacco and big pharma, big alcohol coming in. I mean, look, you know, we're all hustling to to grow our businesses and anticipating that kind of opportunity. Um, I think, you know, the reality is, Safe Banking Act is probably um, is probably going to pass pretty quickly. And and for context for your listeners, what that means is, believe it or not, I can get a checking account. You know. Right. Um, if you're doing a million dollars a month in revenue, which, you know, uh, uh, Jetty, for example, is, is doing that kind of revenue, there's companies that are doing 10x that, um, in theory, and, and, and very much in practicality until a couple of years ago when some credit unions are getting into the market, you know, we're doing that in 20 and $50 bills. Right. I mean, we, we, would, we spent considerable resources running vans of cash between Southern California and Northern California. You know, it cost us five, six, seven percent, sometimes ten percent. My controller would say to handle the cash, count it three times. Think about the danger of all that. It's just insane. Um, so is. safe banking just and, and by the way, no credit facilities available for a business that's doing that kind of work unless it's a ten or twelve percent, you know, loan shark kind of loan. So, yep. so safe banking is really going to be. It's going to it's going to help out the industry tremendously. And it's going to make it safer um, as well. The States Act is the is the um, is the bill that we want to see, and we think it's got a really good opportunity to get through. And in, in, you know, maybe this Congress, if not next, and yep. it essentially it essentially deschedules and it, it says, states, you guys do what you want. We're no longer the federal government's not going to get involved. Right, and like, that really, think- yeah, and and yep. eventually, even if they make it make it federally legal, which is coming. The real question is, is there going to be interstate commerce, right? 
I mean, right now, and, and again, for your listeners that aren't aware, uh, the, the cannabis industry is sort of like if you were a beer company or a, or a vodka company, you'd have to grow your potatoes, process your potatoes, bottle your potatoes, and or bottle your vodka and only sell it in one state. And if you wanted to get it to another state, you'd have to go fully vertical in every state. It's, it's ridiculous. And, but eventually where cannabis is going is California is going to supply a huge amount of the biomass and the individual states are going to, are going to mandate certain things have to be done in those states. But uh, I think, you know, Garland was just, um, you know, I think uh, Mitch McConnell just said he would support Garland as the AG. Um, there is 70% of the uh, uh, United States public um, support legalizing cannabis in one way or another. Yep. Um, the, the tax opportunities are just too hard to ignore if you're a politician. So, um, you know, the trains left the station. Um, it's just a matter of uh, it's just a matter of um, <clears throat> of when, not if. Yep, you're, I agree with everything you're saying. I like the states act. That's where we want to go. Although that would prevent cross border state trafficking. It would just be silos within the states. For now, well, yeah. you, you mean the States Act would allow that, or you think it'll just create? I don't believe that the States Acts get us to interstate commerce. Right. I'm sorry. Yes, I I agree with you. Um, Which you know, look, fine with me because it protects well, the businesses right. that have been built up within the right. of staying within the that, state. That's mm-hmm. right. And just yeah, and to speak your comment, so, sorry uh, about big tobacco, big pharma, big alcohol. I mean, they're all licking their chops. They're circling around, um, you know, Constellation, one of the largest alcohol uh, uh, brands, conglomerates in the world, put a huge investment up into Canada on a, on a federally legal company that's now kind of, so there's everybody circling. But it, it, as long as it's state by state, that is a, that are, they are some, you know, a moat or some barriers for these companies like Jetty that have sort of spent, a, you know, a, a, a decade building a business before big pharma, tobacco, and alcohol just come in and scoop it all up. Uh, right. So I'm with you, Jim. <clears throat> well, look, the bottom line is, is that, you know, and all of my friends here in Illinois know, uh, we, we have access to high quality marijuana flour at a fraction of what it costs to buy the flour at the dispensaries that's grown here. You know, right. and I'm sure that Illinois doesn't want to see that green lighted because if it is, you know, California marijuana, quite frankly, could put a lot of states out of business in terms of their their in-state programs. Yeah, well, we'll see it. We'll see it eventually. But it's, you know, five yeah. years from now, we'll be having this call and we'll all be a little bit grayer. And I think it's going to be an entirely different. <laughs> Not Jim, just you and me. <laughs> yeah, I want to end the show with a quick story of my trip to uh, play to Carmen last week. So the yes. guys walking up and down the beach. I got weed. I got weed. And I didn't feel comfortable buying it in a foreign country. But I said, yeah, well, let me look at it and give it a sniff. And he goes, well, you know, in his next uh, Spanish accent, it's not really good weed like you have in the United States. <laughs> Isn't that a twist of events? Turn- That's absolutely. That's true. All, right, guys. All of a sudden. I think we went a little bit long, so I think we should sign off. What, well, what happened to the music? Great. You're not playing any music? I thought we were going to jam. No, we no, talk well, music. We don't play it. Yeah, we got. Ah. There's all sorts of licensing rights if we want to play music. It gets a little tricky. Oh, that's true. Hey, well, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, keep up the good work. Absolutely. All right. Cheers. Bye. Mike McDonald was our guest today. 
uh, of uh, the founder of uh, Ammonite, which is the parent company of Dablicator Oil Applicator, uh, which is a spinoff of Jetty Extracts out of uh, California. Uh, we thank Mike for taking the time to come and tell us all about everything today. Uh, the uh, the new uh, developments that we see coming on in the industry are, are amazing, and this is just another example of one of them. And uh, I'm sure there'll be many more to come in the future. Um, from Chicago, this is Larry Mishkin telling everybody to uh, have a good week, and we'll talk to you next week and use your cannabis responsibly. And Jim, why don't you take us home? All right, everyone, over and out from Longmont, Colorado. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.